Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Church, I'd like to start our Bible study out tonight with a story, and it's a story from a famous missionary. Some of you may know him or not, but it's, uh, his name is David Livingstone, and he was a missionary in Africa for many, many years. Now, after a time in Africa, David returned to England for just a brief visit towards kind of the end of his life, and he was honored by Queen Victoria and was asked to address a the students there at Cambridge University. So David Livingstone comes back, says, you know, here's some students that you need to talk to. And so a very simply, very quietly, he said to them, quote, gentlemen, shall I tell you what it was that kept me true to my resolve through all those years in a dark continent? And of course, they looked with wondering, what, what is he going to say? It was the words of a gentleman, quote, lo, I am always, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. So there you have, church, a missionary talking to students about what? Well, if you're taking note, he's talking about the presence of God. The presence of God. Why? Because he quoted what Jesus was saying, Lo, I am with you always. I am with you to the ends of the earth. And and, and really, that's what we need. And so he's saying, okay, he's talking about He's talking about the presence of God, and of course, guess what? It's, it certainly left an everlasting impression upon those missionary students. Why? Well, what will you expect? You come in, and there he is, and you go, what are you going to tell us about being out in the mission field? And he says, in the, be in the presence of God. Be in God's presence. Everybody's like, wow, wow. Listen, God's presence, guys, in human experiences are tremendous and inescapable fact of life. But I'm compelled at this point to ask you, are you, church, conscious of the presence of God in your life? Are you fully conscious of the presence of God? Do you live in a reality of God's presence? Or should I ask even this, do you enjoy such an experience? If we were to be honest in church on a Wednesday night and you go, Ben, okay, let's be honest, okay? Church, honesty in church, that's a rare thing, but what about honesty? We would say sometimes we go through the motions. Sometimes we simply attend church. Sometimes, okay, this is what I do. And we come and we do church and we say, okay, I met so-and-so. I said, high five. I, you know, gave you a little high, shake your hand. I give you a hug. And I went over to the back table and I put hand sanitizer and I went and I sat and we just simply do church. That's okay. But here's the point, guys. Are we truly enjoying and coming and, and being in God's presence? In the presence of Almighty God who created us, who has a plan for our lives, who loves us, who's been guiding us all the way through, are we in his presence? Go, Pastor, why? Well, church, as we make our way through Psalm 84, the one thing that we need to keep in mind is that it describes a pilgrim who's yearning and longing and even heartbroken to be in God's presence. He wants to be there. He wants to see it. It's not like, hey, you want to go to church? Yeah, I don't know. Let's see. How's what I got? I guess so. No, he's hungry. He says, I need to be in the presence of God. Psalm 84 is about a pilgrim church who longed to go back to Jerusalem for the feasts and to see the magnificent temple. To experience God's holy presence once again. That's what he's thinking. And you go, well, what do you mean? Think about this, church. For 40 years after the exodus from Egypt, the Jews were a wandering people. Even after they occupied the promised land, right? 40 years, what are we doing? We're walking around the same rock. We're walking around 40 years, 40 years, and then they get into the promised land, guys. And and again, there were three feasts, three feasts that reminded them of this. You go, what's that? That they were still pilgrims in the earth. Oh, no, they're in the promised land. They're there. But these feasts reminded them, we're just passing through. We're just sojourners. That's what the feasts were all about. 
just like you and I are today, church. We're just passing through. You know what the Bible calls you? The Bible calls you a sojourner. You're just passing through. On our way to a better place. Now, as we make our way to heaven, there's a couple of things I think we need to get straight in our minds. And you go, what's that? Number one, we need to realize that heaven is already taken care of. If you're a believer, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, okay, the Bible calls it being born again. Am I born again? I don't know if I'm born again. I hope I'm born again. If you're born again, heaven is taken care of. Okay, it's not a reward. Because you have to, you work for a reward. You work real hard and here's your reward. You get heaven! Come on down! That's not what he's talking about. It's, it's a gift. And so the second thing we need to realize is that heaven is taken care of, but here we are, still on earth. What are we doing here? We're simply passing through. We're passing through. It was Warren Wearsby that wrote this, and I found it very interesting. He wrote, a vagabond has no home. A fugitive is running from home. A stranger is away from home, but a pilgrim is headed home. I'm calling this message tonight, church, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. And I know what you're thinking. Hey, I've heard that before. Wait, wasn't it the Wizard of Oz? Click your heels three times? No, 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 no. It's so much deeper than that. Why? Because tonight we discover that the psalmist, the pilgrim, he longs to be home in Jerusalem so that he can feel the presence of God. And I think we too long, too long to be home. Oh, not, not for church to be done so we can get home. But so that we can, so that we can go home, our heavenly home. You see, it was the Apostle Paul who wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. He says this, listen to these words. He says, for we know that when this earthly tent, talking about our bodies, we live in is taken down. You know how you break camp and you take down a tent, right? He's what he's talking about. That is, when we die, in case anybody's like, what's he talking about taking down this tent? When we die and leave this earthly body, he says, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. Now, before we go on, can I just say amen and hallelujah? I mean, I mean, some of us, we go through this life with this earthly tent and we don't like it, do we? It's too big, it's too small, I'm too short. I, I mean, we just, we're going to get a body already. I think it's going to be amazingly perfect. So listen, y'all ain't going to recognize me in heaven, okay? I'll be taller, definitely taller. You know, six-pack abs, walking around, what's up? You're going to be like, where's Ben? It's me! But anyway, that's what he says. And some of you know what I'm talking about. Verse 2 says, we grow weary. Doesn't anybody grow weary of our present bodies? And we long to put on our heavenly bodies and new clothing? He says, because we get tired. Why? These bodies are breaking down. Paul says, for we will put on heavenly bodies. Amen. We will not be spirits without bodies. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh. Anybody groan and sigh? Anybody to wake up in the morning going, oh, ouch. Right. You know when I get the most hurt? Getting out of bed. It's amazing. And it's like, what happened? Oh, I don't know. I was slam dunking in basketball the other day. No, you didn't. You just rolled over. I know, but it hurt. That's the truth. I'm not kidding you. The last time my back hurt so bad, Rick had to come up here and help me down. I was, you go, what did you do? Man, I was skiing. I was skiing up Black Diamond. I hurt. No, no, no. You know what happened? I don't know what happened. I just started hurting. It was like, oh, oh. Oh, that's exactly what Paul's saying. He's saying, man, these bodies are just like sighing. I sighed a lot that day. I almost passed out too. We groan and we sigh, but it's not that we want to die. Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new body so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. God himself has prepared for us as a guarantee, he has given us his Holy Spirit. So he's going, listen, there's going to be a time, okay, that, listen, that we're going to get to go home. 
And this is in the shell that you have right now, okay? Listen, I know, like my brother Joe, I recognize Joe because that's what Joe looks like. But that's not who Joe is. Joe is is everything on the inside and the smile and the gen- I mean, all of that, right? So we're going to leave these bodies here when we long to go home. So we come to Psalm 84 and we realize there's, a, there's the psalmist, there's a pilgrimage, and we need to grasp his heart here for a second. Why? Because church, he longs to be in the presence of the Lord. And listen, it's the pilgrim's inability to attend this feast. So he's sitting somewhere going, I can't go to Jerusalem. I need to go. I want to be in God's presence. I want to be around God's people. Don't you understand what they do for me? Don't you understand? I want to be in God's presence. And I love the way God works this out. You go, why? Because while you were in here worshiping, I'm out there talking to Jeremy. And I'm saying, hey, Jeremy, you know, what's going on? He goes, you know, he, I said, what's, what's God doing in your life? And Jeremy goes, you know, I just want to serve. I just want to be around God's people. He says, when I'm serving God's people, he says, that's when I feel closer to God. When I'm in here and I'm going, that's exactly what the psalmist says. As I'm going, that's what we're preaching tonight. And, and, and listen, it's in his inability to attend the feast, but it did not rob him of the blessing of the fellowship of the Lord. He says, I can't go, but it's not going to rob me. Now, the one thing we need to grasp, church, is even though, and I want a big amen on this, even though we long to be in heaven with Jesus, four of you, five, thank you, Josh, even though we long to be in heaven, right, Living on earth doesn't rob us of the blessing of being in fellowship with him. Amen? It was Charles Spurgeon, the great commentator, who said this on Psalm 84. He said, Psalm 84 was entitled to be called the Pearl of Psalms. If the 23rd Psalm was the most popular and the 103rd Psalm the most joyful, and the 119th the most deeply experimental, and the 51st Psalm the most plaintive, he said, the, this one is the most sweet of the Psalms of peace. Psalm 84. Church, if you're taking note, here's what I would encourage you to do. The Psalm is broken down in three ways. The first thing we're going to see is the psalmist delight in the Lord. Now, remember, his mindset is, I want to go to the feast. I want to go back to Jerusalem. I want to go and I want to be with God's people and I want to worship. He can't, but he says, it's not going to rob me of my joy. So the first thing we need to understand is point number one, his delight, our delight is in the Lord. My delight is in the Lord. We're going to see that from verses one to four. Then it breaks and takes a break there, and it says the second point, he goes, okay. Now, the second one is my strength is in the Lord. And then the last but not least of the psalm as he comes to 9 through 12, he says, but my trust is also in the Lord. Now, if you've been with us on our playlist series, you guys know that trust is a big part of the psalms. He's always encouraging us to trust the Lord. Can we... Can Can I ask you a question? Isn't that the hardest thing to do? Trust God? I want to trust God with everything. Sometimes I don't see him working. God, I trust you. Do you really trust me? I trust you, Lord. No, I don't. No, I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. I trust you. And it's hard for us, guys. It really is. It really is. Listen, I, I mean, I get it. I know where you're coming from. I've been there. Church, answer me this. In, in your years of walking with Jesus, have you had some ups and downs with your years of walking with Jesus? Have you had some, I mean, you still love the Lord. Your joy is still in there, but do you, have, have you had some good days and bad days? I've been walking with Jesus almost 34 years, and, and there's times when I'm going, I can't pull myself up. I don't know why I'm so, I, I'm, I'm just bummed. I'm really just, I'm really depressed. I'm really. <sighs> Pastor Ben, I've got a question. You've been walking with Jesus 34 years and you still struggle with that? I do. I do because it's just this world that we live in. And so I have to remind myself exactly of what the psalmist says. My delight is in the Lord. My strength is in the Lord. And I've got to trust you, God. 
Listen, if you're not there tonight, you can be, but I would just encourage you to get there, to be in his presence. You see, the Israelites, guys, experienced the same emotions every time they traveled to a special celebration in the temple because they were thinking, it's good to be home. It's good to be home. It's good to be home. It's an amazing thing, guys, and for those of you that, that are hoping and, and praying someday to get to Israel and visit, there's something that just spiritually happens when you get to the land of Israel. You go, what's that? It's like going home. I think I, I thought I was going to have to leave my wife there. She's like, I don't want to go. I'm like, get on the plane, baby. You're not, I'm not going home without you. She felt this connection of being home, and that's exactly what the Israelites experienced. They wanted to go back, and they wanted to be home. That's the context, guys, of Psalm 84. It's such a trip. The psalmist thinks about being home with God, and that strikes a chord with us. You go, why? Because our deepest longing should be, our deepest longing is to be home in the presence of God. So with that, guys, let's jump into our text. We have a lot to talk about. Point number one, if you're taking note, my delight is in the Lord. The psalmist starts off and he says, how lovely is your tabernacle. If you have a different version or you just want to circle that, it just means your dwelling place. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, even fates for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. Pastor Ben, who wrote this psalm? Well, some people attribute it to David. It really, most commentators believe it was the sons of Korah, and they composed this psalm. Now, the Korah, the Korites were just a, a group of people that served in the temple, and is basically it was it, they composed this psalm either in the days of the tabernacle or referred to the temple in a historic, quaint way. The affection is clear, though, right? Why? Because he says, the psalmist loved the house of God. How lovely is your tabernacle? Now, church, stop. There are times when he go, listen, I like going to church. I like church and all. I church. No, 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 no. What's he saying? He's saying that is church giving us the presence of God. And here's why. Listen. We don't want to come to church and go, ah, that, that worship was good, man. We were just singing. And it was awesome. I love that song. What are the words to that song? But, but what we're here for, guys, is to, is to have an encounter with Jesus. He's the only one that can take us and heal us. Not a whole lot of people want to show their wounds but there's a lot of people who show you their scars. Nobody wants to go, let me, you know, and I, I don't know, it just, this just popped to mind. This is free. Not even going to charge you for this. But if you ever f- scroll through Facebook and people put like open wounds on the pictures, you're like, that's disgusting. You know, I mean, it's like, look what happened. Nobody wants to show a wound, but they will show you their scar. But it's in showing the Lord our wound is the only way that he'll get down and he'll heal it. And then our scars become a testimony of what God has done. You know what I'm talking about? Scars and wounds. Scars and wounds. There was a young kid out in Florida. So excited. Mom, I want to go swimming. Mom, I want to go swimming. So the mom's washing dishes. Okay, be careful. He runs out. And he just goes off to pier and he jumps in. He's just swimming around. He's about eight years old. He's having a blast. Mom could see him. He's from here to the doors, and mom could see him. And all of a sudden, she sees this giant alligator coming toward him. I'm just coming toward him, right? So she throws everything in just a panic, and a furious panic. She runs out, right? Right as she gets into the shore, she she has water up into her knees, and she starts to grab him. That's when the alligator got him on his knees. And now they're in a tug of war, and they're in this fight, right? They're in this fight, and this thing is fighting, and mom is holding on to. And finally, finally, a neighbor hears the commotion, gets his gun, comes out, gets in the water, 
kills the alligator, lets go of the boy. They rush him to the hospital. News gets a hold of this. News, and they, they, he's in the hospital a few days and unconscious, and he comes out, and, and all of a sudden he's sitting there, and they want to interview him. They said, man, you know what? That must have been an ordeal. What happened? What happened? And he's sitting there, and he's like, yo. And they said, look at all the scars on your legs. Look at all the scars where the alligator was just getting at you. And she, he goes, that's nothing. He says, look at the scars on my arm. This is where my mom wouldn't let go. And I think, I think, guys, that's the same thing. You might have some scars, guys, and, 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 and that's where God's not going to let you go. Right now, it might be a wound. You might be going, man, I just, this hurts. But eventually be a scar, and you go, hey, look, see this scar? That's where God wouldn't let me go. That's the word of God, guys. How lovely is your tabernacle, your dwelling place, O Lord. My soul longs. My soul longs. Guys, it's, the affection is clear. Can't you see the psalmist loved the house of God? It was, whether it was in a tent or a permanent building, he considered it beautiful. If you have a pencil handy and you're a note taker, the word lovely is yad-eed, yad-eed. In the Hebrew, and basically I looked it up, in the first mention, you know the law first mention, it's actually found in Deuteronomy 33, 12, when, he's, when, when it's talking about Benjamin and how he loved, how Benjamin was loved by the Lord. So the first mention was, it's not just a like, how lovely, how beautiful, look how neat this is, there's gold everywhere, wow, that's a beautiful temple, all right. No, 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 guys, it was, it was when you, how you love your son. Because that's what the Lord said, Benjamin. I, I love Benjamin. I love Benjamin. And so what the psalmist is telling us, guys, and I think we need to grasp is loving the presence of the Lord, loving the presence of the Lord is first recognizing our genuine love for the Lord. Did you hear me? The psalmist says, how lovely is the place you dwell, God? How lovely is it? And of course, what's he thinking about? Guys, he's thinking about the temple or tabernacle, whatever it might be. But here's my question for you. 2017, church, listen, where does God dwell now? Have you ever, very good, in our hearts, right? Have you ever asked a kid, where's God? God's in the sky. No, God's in your heart. So, so here's the thing. If God dwelled in the temple, where does he dwell now? He lives inside you. Do you realize that? You see, becoming a Christian isn't simply going, yeah, I go to this church. I go to the church. I'm a Christian. I go to the church. But have you had an encounter with, is, is, is God living inside you? Is he directing you? Is he, is he, is, are, do you know his voice? Do you hear him? Are you having any relationship with him? Can you, I mean, what? And that's the biggest thing, guys, because sometimes we get to the place where we go, I just go to church, when we should be going, man, I have that encounter with Jesus. He's living inside me. He's living inside me. He resides in every heart of every believer. Here's my opinion. It's just my opinion, okay? If you are a believer here tonight, if you are a born-again follower of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, here's what I want you to do. I want you to consider yourself amazingly loved. You go, why? Because you're his dwelling place. You go, what do you mean? You're his tabernacle. You're his tabernacle. You are loved. You are, you are, I mean, think about it, guys. Consider yourself amazing. Why? Here's why. Listen, listen, listen. Loneliness is a killer. Our biggest problem is we don't want to be lonely and we don't realize how loved we really are. You've heard me say it a thousand times, church, and I think it's appropriate at this point. Guys, when we take anything and try to make it ultimate, and we struggle. Because you can have, listen... You can have the best relationship and you can take your spouse and you could put them and make them ultimate and you can still be lonely. Why? 
because that's exactly what the enemy wants you to do. But when you take that spouse and go, man, this is good. I love my relationship, but I'm not going to make it ultimate. I'm going to make God ultimate. Then all of a sudden you realize what? You realize that you are loved. You are his dwelling place and you are his tabernacle and you are amazingly, amazingly loved by God. Now, here's what I want you to jot down, church. Please don't let anyone put you down. You're his dwelling. Don't let anybody, and, and, here's, and, and you go, well, Pastor, nobody's going to put me down. You know? Nobody's going to put me down. I don't care what people say. That's not what I'm worried about. I'm worried about what you tell yourself. I'm worried about how you communicate to yourself. And the enemy knows how to throw those fiery darts and get us and get us to start thinking in ways that we're not. It's, it's just, guys, it's stinking thinking, man. We start putting ourselves down. Well, I'm not worthy. Well, I'm a loser. Well, I'm this. I'm that. That's not what God's word says of you. God says you are amazingly loved. Pastor, I don't feel like it. Trust me. You've got to walk by faith. And when you walk by faith, your faith will eventually be sight. When you step in from the realm into the unknown, into, into heaven. Isn't that the point, guys? We, we, what? There's no place like home. Why? Because right now we're walking by faith. Anybody see heaven? I haven't seen heaven. I know it's there somewhere. I mean, I see the heavens at night, the heavens of heavens, but I haven't seen heaven. I haven't seen where Christ and all the saints and all those have gone before me dwell, so I'm going to walk by faith. But one day, my faith is going to turn sight when I get there and go, it's real. It's here. Oh, what did you feel? I felt peace, and I felt the presence, and I felt like, oh my gosh, just there's beauty and there's colors that I've never seen before. Well, you have to go back. I won't go back. You have to go home. I ain't going home. I'm staying right here. Well, they're going to miss you on earth. Well, I'm home. And there's no place. There's no place like home. You know, here's what the Bible says about you guys. Psalm 139.14. He says this. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. I like that. You guys are marvelous. Another, another term is you are fearfully and wonderfully made, but I like this because you're marvelous. When someone asks you tomorrow, how you doing? Marvelous. And they go, what do you mean? Psalm 139.14. Your workmanship is marvelous, God. God made you amazing. And he goes on to verse 2 and he says, my soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out. We sang that tonight, right? Isn't that amazing? So the psalmist's appreciation for God's house wasn't simply because it was beautiful. His soul longed for God's house, and it even faints when he was denied the privilege of meeting with God among his people. Are you kidding me? You, I can't. This is how we should be. We shouldn't be walking around going, you know, I wonder if I should go to church. You go, what do you mean I can't go to church? Oh, are you kidding me? God's there. I get to sing songs. Are you... That's what he's saying. He's going, Are you, my, my soul longs and even faints to be in the presence of the Lord. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. Why? To the psalmist, to the pilgrim guys, his, his, the house of God was near, was, was dear and a desire to the psalmist because that's where he met God. Everything within him, his heart and his flesh, Longed for God. Therefore, he loved God's house. God's house. Pastor, I, I don't know if you know this, but this, this church you call Calvary Chapel is not really a house. It's in a strip mall. No, no, no. Listen, it's not about, because God's presence is here. Why is God's presence here? Well, I don't know if God's presence, listen, if God's living inside you, then God's presence is here. And you come up and you start lifting your holy hands and you start worshiping the Lord and you don't care who's around you and you're singing out to God. Man, the Bible says what? That, that the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. He's here. He's here. He's here. 
Even now, during the teaching of your word, the heart, your heart is being stirred. It's being stirred. It's like, oh, yes, yes, yes. You see, every week, church, we're talking about encounter with Jesus. Our hearts should long to be here and in the presence of our brothers and sisters worshiping together. Pastor, I mean, I, I can only, I can't get it. I mean, I come, I'm, I'm, you're preaching to the crowd, man. You're preaching to the choir. We're here on Wednesday night. Okay, okay. But listen, listen, God's presence is with you. So tomorrow morning, you can have God's presence in your quiet time. And you can just, you can just feel him. We rob ourselves of that, don't we, church? Why? We rush through. Some of our quiet time is so mechanical. Got to have a quiet time. Okay. <laughs> Read the word. Okay, scratch it. Okay. And then you walk out and what did God speak to you? I don't know, but I got to get going. And, and we get so, and no, 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 listen, listen. This is God. And, and he wants to meet with you and he wants to talk to you and he wants to tell you some things. I don't like to talk to God. He always tells me bad stuff. No, he doesn't. <laughs> he wants to talk to you. Hey, Mel, how you doing? Oh, Lord, I'm doing good. And he talks through, how does he talk to us? Well, if I heard enough, he talks to us through his word, doesn't he? He talks to us through his word. Guys, it goes on. The pilgrim is still longing for God's presence, delighting in him. Look at verse 3. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are still praising you, Selah. A couple of things we need to know here, God. The psalmist sets his heart on a pilgrimage to be in God's presence. Everybody got that, right? And as he does, he, he looks around and he notices a couple of things. You go, what? He notices some birds. He notices a sparrow and he notices a swallow. Now, to you and I, no big deal. We kind of read it and we go, okay, sparrow. I heard a song once about that. But, but, but listen, and we'll just read past through it, but I want, I want us to dig a little bit deeper. Why? Well, perhaps the psalmist, perhaps the pilgrim, as he makes his way, saw some birds and goes, hey, look, there's a sparrow and a swallow, and they made a nest there in the, in the temple, the house of God, in view of the altar itself, and he might have stopped and said, man, I consider those birds, they're blessed. Look, they're here in God's presence all the time. They can see the altar. This is amazing. But I like what one commentator by the name of Boyce offered. He said, he said that the sparrow is a picture of small significance and the swallow is a picture of restlessness. I thought, wow. You go, what's the point? Here's what God is telling us. Listen to me. You ready? The insignificant can find their place in the house of God, as well as those who are restless. The insignificant people who feel like I'm just insignificant. I don't, I'm, I just, mm-mm. And what he's saying is, listen, you have a place in the house of God. Some of us feel restless. We're just, we're just restless. We just don't know how to. He says, you need to come to the house and feel the presence of the Lord. And I thought, wow, the psalmist in God's word is just like, like, you can't make this stuff up. Guys, the plea tonight is to those who feel insignificant in this life. And to those who are restless, here's what the Lord is telling you. Come home. Come home. God stands with his arms open wide, waiting to receive you back into his house into his presence. Guys, that's the whole point, right? None of us are going to none of us are going to admit out loud, I'm insignificant, I'm restless. God knows your heart. He draws you in and he says, "Here I stand." And 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 what does Romans says that that he's he's in the season where he doesn't condemn us. There's no therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And so he stands with his he says, "But you got to come. You got to come." Some of us feel restless. There's restless in our hearts, and we're going, man, I don't know where I fit. I don't know where I stand. I don't even know what I, where, why I'm even in the world. And God says, you need to come. You need to come. Now, let me stop right here and tell you this, church, and I know you know this, but it's not about religion. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ, and I have to ask you, do you have that relationship with him? 
Have you given your life and your heart to Jesus? Have you said, yes, I'm going to open up my heart. I'm going to invite him inside. I want him to wash away my sins. And I want to be set free. I want to be set free. I want to know that when I die, I'm going to heaven. I'm not basing my eternity on my religion or my religious upbringing. I want a relationship with God. Have you done that? Pastor, I have. Then you're in his presence. And he goes on to tell us, guys, in, in the psalmist, he said, Blessed are those who dwell in your house. The psalmist went from envying the birds who are living at the tabernacle to envying the priests. Notice, blessed are those who dwell in your house. He's like, listen, guys, if you ever look at a picture of the priest, there's all these rooms on the side of the temple, and that's where the priest stayed. They hung out there. And he says, like, man, not only are the birds living and seeing the tabernacle, the priests are there in your presence all the time. All the time. This is amazing. Notice what it says, church. He says, even the sparrow found a home and the swallow a nest for herself. Even your altars are Lord of hosts. My King, my God. Look at verse 4. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They still will be praising you. They still will be praising you. And then he comes to the last word. Everybody see that? It's, it's Selah. And what that means is that you need to pause and think about what we just read. Think about that section of scripture. He wants, the psalmist wants you to go, okay, don't just keep going. Don't just read real fast. Stop. And let's just think about what we just read. You go, okay, so what does that mean? He says, guys, our delight, our delight is in the Lord. And here's what I'm telling you. We come to church, guys, to meet with God, to worship and to pray and to hear his voice in our lives. That's what he's saying. Our delight is in the Lord. The psalmist sought to do this, remember? As the deer pants for the waters, so my soul longs for you, O Lord. You ever hear that? As the deer, Josh has played it before, as the deer. Now we go, oh, how cute a little deer is just kind of thirsty. That's not what it means. It means with everything that is in him, he wants God's presence in his life. As that deer pants, so my soul longs for you. Psalm 63, 1 says, my soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Do you guys get the point of what it means to be in God's presence? You know what it means? Let me, let me illustrate it this way, okay? Let me illustrate it this way. Let's see, who, who, who's going to... Dustin, it's, it's you this, this tonight, it's you. Me and Dustin, we go out, right? And we decide we're, we're, we're just goofing around at a pool. And, and I say, and, and I get Dustin, and I say, Hey, Dustin, let's see, um, let's see how long you can, you can go with holding your breath in the water. Let's see how... And Dustin's like, Okay, I think I can do it for about a minute. Okay, so Dustin goes down, and, you know, 30 seconds, he comes up. He's like, Whew. Now, I say, Well, let me help you, Dustin. Let me help you. I'm going to hold you down so that you don't... So you don't give up too quickly. I'm going to hold you down a little bit, okay? So Dustin's like, okay. I take Dustin and we're playing around and I push him down in the water, okay? So after about 45 seconds, he starts to get a little nervous. He's like, this ain't funny. You guys know what I'm talking about? And then about a, about a minute, he's starting to go, whoa, 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 this ain't playing. Pastor's not playing anymore. He's going to try to kill me. At about two minutes, he's fighting, he's punching, and he's screaming. He's doing everything he can to what? to get air. That's what it means for us to be in his presence, guys, is that we would do whatever it takes to go, I need to be in his presence. I need to be in his presence. I need to be in his presence. Point number two, my strength is in the Lord, verses five through eight. Verse five, blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on Pilgrimage. Though he had to remain home, the pilgrim's heart was set on pilgrimage. The very map to Jerusalem was written in his heart. Now let's break this down. The man who finds his strength in God is also the one whose heart is set on pilgrimage. He does not rely on self 
or the world for strength. Everybody got that? Oh, I'm going to get it. He, he, what it. But he considers himself a visitor, a traveler, a sojourner. We talked about that. But his true strength and treasure comes from his true home. That is heaven and being in the presence of God. And then he says this, verse 6, And they pass through the valley of Baca. They make it a spring. And the rain covers it with pools. Now listen, let me just let me just shoot straight with you, church. There's going to be difficult places in our journey. What do you mean? There will be storms in the valley. You realize that, right? Uh-uh. No, really. You know what the Bible says? If you want to live godly in Christ Jesus, what does it say? You'll gain the whole world. I don't think it says that, Ben. If you want to live godly in Christ Jesus, you're going to get a new car. Wait a minute. That's not what it says. You know what it says? You will suffer persecution. You'll suffer persecution. Hey, how about, how about we make a bumper sticker like that? How about we make it? I'm going to suffer persecution. Want to join me? And on the back I say, because I want to live godly. Now, I get it. We need those encouraging. But, I mean, that's the whole thing. So here's my point, guys. There's going to be bumpy times in your life. There's going to be difficult times in your life. If you live in this world, there are going to be bumpy, difficult storms in your life. The Valley of Baca can actually be said, the the place of pain, of hard places, the Valley of Tears, where everything seems hopeless and you feel helpless. Others get a blessing from your experience and it becomes to them a spring of water and a refreshing pool. Now, here's what the, here's the nugget of truth I want you to hold on to, guys. Every one of us in this room is going to pass through the valley of tears. We're going to have difficult times. Hard things in life. Hard things in life. No one, is, no one escapes difficult days. But when our heart is set on pilgrimage, church, we know that there are times when we must walk in the strength of the Lord. And as we do, you are making a better place for those that are coming behind you. As many as you know, a couple of years ago, my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer. And that was a valley of Baca. That was a valley of tears. That was a difficult place. I'm not lying to you. All the emotions that were wrapped up in it. But as she's moving forward in this journey, she's still on the journey. There have been a lot of people that have come behind her who have been diagnosed, and she's able to minister to them. To them, she's a pool of fresh water in a dry desert. Why? Because she's offered hope. She's offered hope. For you, it may not be cancer, but for you, it might be something else. Quit looking at your difficulty like it's a, like a life-ending sentence and look at it like, okay, how can I minister to people who are coming behind me? Why? Because I know that there are times you go, Pastor, I'm in the Valley of Baca right now. What is God trying to show you? And then wait for those that come behind you. And then you can minister to them that, in ways that I can't. That's exactly what he's telling us. They're pools of refreshing rain. You ever been out in a hot desert? And man, when it starts to rain, it's like, oh, this is so refreshing. This is so Ah, that smell of fresh rain, right? Right after it rains, it smells so good and so clean. It's exactly what's going on. And then the psalmist says in verse 7 and 8, You go from strength to strength. Let each one appear before the God of Zion. O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, as the psalmist journeys on pilgrimage and the blessedness of God's presence and strength, he realizes, guess what, church? That his strength comes from being in the presence of the Lord. You want strength in your walk? You want strength in your life? Get in God's presence. Get in God's presence. Hey, listen. 
I'm with you. I'm, I'm preaching to me, man. I'm like, okay, I understand. Why don't you do it? I don't know. But we get in God's presence because that's where the strength comes from. A rich relationship with God is never ending supply of strength for the journey, even in difficult seasons. Pastor Ben, what? How did you handle your wife's Valley of Baca? I blew it a lot. Because I wasn't in his presence. I didn't stay there. I thought that I had to be, hey, who's with me? I thought that I had to be strong on my own. I think you can all resonate with that, right? Why? Some difficult time happens and you go, I've got to be the strong one. And you, you are strong, not for long. You know where my strength should have come from? Being in the presence of the Lord. And of course, the psalmist says, notice what he says in verse 8. Oh, Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. So this goes from a song to a prayer. He's not only just singing, he's now praying. It's a plea. A plea for plenty spoken for, for the supply of water. It's a supplication for strength that continues and builds. His strengths come from the Lord. When it comes to finding our strength, church, strength in the Lord, I read an excerpt from a book by a fellow by the name of Pat Williams, and he writes this, listen, quote, if we want to be like Jesus, we must endure like Jesus. We need to preserve under pressure as Jesus did. If it hasn't happened already, there will be a time or a time will come when you must endure like Jesus. No one in history deserved to be more honored and respected than Jesus of Nazareth, yet he was treated with contempt and put to death. If we endure like Jesus, our own battle scars will be the righteous and beautiful wounds of those who have taken courageous stand against evil. Our wounds would be like this. And then he goes on to write, life is a journey for all of us. And that journey is not always easy. There are hard days and difficult nights. And sometimes there are weeks, months, and years when the road seems to lead from hardship to another. If we live long enough, we will have plenty of chances to get the battle scars Pat Williams talked about. No one gets a free ride and no one is exempt from the troubles of this world. And sometimes when we get discouraged and we feel like giving up and we feel like walking away from the Lord, we are not the first generation to feel like that. And our passage actually ends with trust in the Lord. Verse 9. O oh God, behold our shield and look upon the face of your anointed. When he talks about your anointed, the psalmist at, at first had in mind probably David, maybe Solomon, but it also points to the Messiah as the ultimate anointed one. Do you see that? Why? Because, because the Old Testament always points to where? The cross. And the New Testament always points back to the cross. So you can always find Jesus in the word of God. And he says, my trust is in the Lord. Notice verse 10. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. And I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than dwell in tents of the wickedness. For the Lord is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing he will hold from those who walk uprightly. The Lord of hosts. Blessed is the man who trusts in you and what do we hear guys the here, here's what the pilgrim is saying he's going i long to be in god's presence and i would rather be there one day than a thousand anywhere else right i'd rather be josh saying it today better is one day but we sing it better is one day but we don't understand <coughs> one day in god's presence is better than anywhere else Pastor, it's 2017. Why do you still have Wednesday night church? Because we need to be in God's presence to get us through the week. And this, this pilgrim says, I'd rather be a doorkeeper. Anybody want to be a doorkeeper in the house of God? Why? Well, the Korites were to whom this psalm was committed, and for those encouragement might be spoken, the doorkeeper was the first in and the last to leave. 
Y'all want to be a doorkeeper now? Exactly. Exactly. Let's close with this. We got two minutes and Josh can do one last song. I'm sure God has put one on his heart. But he said, blessed is the man. And that means happy is the man and approved from God who trusts in the Lord. There's a fellow by the name of Pastor James and he illustrates trust this way. There is no situation I can get into that God cannot get me out of. Some years ago when I was learning to fly, he says, my instructor told me to put the plane into a steep extended dive. I was totally unprepared for what was about to happen. After a brief time, the engine stalled and the plane began to plunge out of control. It soon became evident that an instructor was not going to help me at all. After a few seconds, which seemed like an eternity, my mind began to function again. I quickly corrected the situation. Immediately, I turned to the instructor and began to vent my fearful frustrations on him. He very calmly said to me, there's no position that you can get this airplane into that I can't get you out of. If you want to learn to fly, go up there and do it again. At that moment, God seemed to be saying to me, remember this. As you serve me, there's no situation that you can get yourself into that I cannot get yourself out of. If you trust me, you'll be all right. The lesson has been proven true in my ministry many times over and over. Church, today there is nothing you can get yourself into that God can't get you out of. And that's what trust is all about. We must delight in the Lord, find our strength in the Lord, and trust in the Lord. For tonight, our souls were exhorted, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. Can we worship the Lord tonight, church, just one more time and feel his presence and ask for his presence to fill this place? Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.